happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. The NFL draft is nearly upon us as we eagerly await for Thursday night here in Kansas City. So we've got plenty to get you caught up on on today's Best of the Week podcast. We'll start things off with Beach Season. In their latest edition, Rocky Magana and Price Carter discuss some of their favorite vibe consensus picks ahead of the NFL draft. After that, the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show gets caught up on all of the Chiefs news from the past week. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with the AP Draft Room. Ron Kopp sat down with VP of Sumer Sports, Eric Eager, to preview the NFL draft. That's all coming up on today's Best of the Week. So as as we uh, as Price kind of uh, foreshadowed for us, we're moving on here from our Justice for X player um, to our, our what we're going to call vibe consensus pick for number 31. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through uh, a series of about 20 ish players and we're going to go player by player. And we're going to say, what is our overall vibe that we feel about if the chiefs took this player at number 31. Now we could just be like a scale of one to five or a to F or blah, 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 but that's boring. And if it's one thing you should know about each season is we don't, we do some weird stuff on this show, but we like it that way. We like to mix it up a little bit. We feel we believe that in the draft analyst community, there's a lot of people that do a really, really good job of taking themselves very, very seriously, and that's not us. Like we like to give you guys good info, but we like to have we like to have fun with it, right? And so, and so, what we're gonna do is instead of doing a normal like A to F or one to five, we're gonna do a, a beer scale. Right. And so if we really, really like this pick for the Chiefs at, at pick 31, we're going to say it's a Boulevard beer. Like that's our favorite beer because we're Kansas City boys and we like Kansas City beer. Damn it. Right. And so Boulevard's a Boulevard is an A plus pick. And then right below that is a good quality beer brand as well that we we also like, but it's not quite Kansas City beer because Kansas City beer is the best. And and shout out to Casey Beer Company. We, we thought about making you the second one down, but we didn't want to disrespect you, right? Because you're you're 1A and 1B in our hearts, baby. And so our second one tier down is Bell's. Great, great beer. Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. Shout out there. So we're going to go Boulevard Beer, Bell's, and then the middle there is Sam Adams. And then below that is PBR. And then the very, very bottom one is everybody's favorite college beer, Hams, right? And so Boulevard number one. Bells is number two, Sam Adams number three, PBR number four, Hams number five. All right, so here we go, kicking it off. Price Carter, what's your vibe for say Dalton Kincaid? So Dalton Kincaid for me is a is a boulevard. You're getting what most people think might actually be the best pure pass catcher in the draft. He's going to an ideal landing spot where I absolutely feel their scenario where Travis Kelsey and Dalton Kincaid can be on the field together. And then when Travis Kelsey is not on the field, Dalton Kincaid can be utilized. Yes, he's got some room to grow as a blocker. But if you're trying to put him in line as a blocker, you're not using him correctly anyways. And there's there's one person I feel that can get the most out of him. It's Andy Reid. You have a great successor to Travis Kelsey. And like some of these other players, like maybe Michael Mayer, if you wait, like do a Zach Koontz or something like that, you're kind of, in the wings waiting for Travis Kelsey to eventually hang it up. Whereas I feel like Dalton Kincaid, you're getting a day one contributor. So that is a ice cold Boulevard wheat for me. You know, it's, it's not a Boulevard for me, but it is a bells. I'll give it a bells. Um, just because I don't want to go tight end at 31, the positional va- the positional value for what the chiefs need currently. I, I, I would be happy about the player. I think he might be the best player available, but the positional need would would take it down just a bit for me and make it a bells. Yeah, and like I, I get it, positional value, but I just think he's so versatile that you can use him basically as another wide receiver. Um, that's that's the only reason. If it, if this was Michael Mayer, I probably wouldn't say the same thing. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, moving down the list here, we have Nolan Smith. What do, what's, what's Nolan Smith for you? This is tough. I I love the player. Don't necessarily love the fit. I'm going to go with a Sam Adams. I think he's an electric player, 
but you are drafting an outlier here a little bit as far as size goes. And compared to what the Chiefs have on the rest along of that defensive line, he would just, I, I, you know, the the analysis of the tape is that he's a pretty good run defender, but I just wonder about how he would fit in KC. Am I going to be mad? No. Like, you know, someone brings in a, you know, a nice uh, autumn logger from Sam Adams. I'm not going to be mad at a party if I see it for sure. But um, I, I would just kind of question the fit a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm with you on it. I, I, I want to make him a Bells as well, but then also it's boring as hell if I just sit here and say everybody's a Bells down the list. Um, I think he is probably like, I think he's like a Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which is a really good beer that I really, really enjoy, right? And so we're going to go Sam Adams Oktoberfest and and say, you know what, even, even more so than that, I don't even know the name of it. A few years back, Sam Adams dug up this like Viking tomb and found these clay pots and they found the recipe for this Viking beer and they remade it and limited released it. And that was really cool. So I'll say Nolan Smith is like whatever that, that limited release Viking beer that they made off of like clay fragments from a Viking tomb a long time ago. Uh, Moving forward. We got a guy who's getting a lot of buzz around Chiefs kingdom. Anton Harrison left tackle. What's your vibe on this one price? I'm going to go Bells because I, I love the position, love the player, love the system that he's coming from. Uh, he does at times play a little weak. Like I feel like he knows that he, strength is not his greatest strong suit. He might struggle against power a little bit. But overall, I'd be really excited about him coming to KC, especially, again, you know, as we've kind of said before, the, the infrastructure that's in place here for the Chiefs offensive line, I feel like there's a really high rate of success for him in Kansas City as left tackle. The only the only time I would be out on it if they're like, okay, so we're gonna have Juwan Taylor switch positions. We're also gonna have Anton Harrison switch positions. That would be I would be out on that. That's not cool. Yeah, I I'm gonna say Anton Harrison is a boulevard for me just because he's grown on me as a player with his athleticism and his pass sets. He definitely struggles with power, and that is something that he has to get better at. He does not handle the bull rush well at all. Um, that does scare me quite a bit. I'm going to say he's a boulevard, but I think he's like a boulevard space camper. Like, not the best offering that Boulevard has had, but it's good. It's still good. Still enjoy it. I still think it's a really good beer. Um, but it's not It's not a Saison Brett, you know, which, I, which is like probably top shelf best boulevard beer of all time, right? And so I'm going to say he's a he is still a boulevard, but, you know, a different offering level of Boulevard beer. Uh, moving on down the list, the next is another another tackle, uh, Dewan Jones, um, left tackle out of um, out of Ohio State. What's your vibes here? Sorry, not left tackle, right tackle out of Ohio State. I'm gonna be petty here a little bit. Uh, he's a hams for me. I'm I'm pretty much out on Dewan Jones. He's not Boulevard. He's like me throwing up Tank Seven on the side of I-70 on the way home from a weekend in St. Louis partying which has been an experience I've had before, by the way. Uh, shout out to my wife driving me home hungover. But, man, I just, the reviews, the interview cycle for him has not gone well. He would need to lose weight to play at NFL tackle right now as far as his size goes. And this is the type of player that I feel like the Chiefs are trying to get off of. I understand he's got a terrific wingspan and huge hands and some of the things that the Chiefs like. But to me, it just makes no sense to stick him on the right side with all of his physical agility questions. And then you're going to take a player that's played on the right side and Juwan Taylor and stick him on the left side. To me, it just feels like kind of a double gamble. Like, honestly, if they go into the season with Dwan Jones at right tackle and Juwan Taylor at left tackle, I don't feel they've personally upgraded the tackle position from the previous year. Different weaknesses, but I, I don't feel like that's a huge upgrade because you're not, you've not gotten any cheaper. You're still paying Juwan Taylor real money and yes you've got a, a rookie but you still have concerns all you've basically done is just kind of change the name so I, I'm really out on Dewan Jones I, I would not be thrilled to hear him at pick 31 you know I uh I'm gonna differ a little bit on this one I like his size he does need to probably lose a little bit of weight especially if he's gonna play um for the Chiefs I I'm gonna say he's a Sam Adams um I think that he moves well at his size for what he does have and he knows how to use his size to his advantage. Does that is it going to translate to the NFL? 
We don't know yet. Um, I don't want if he's if. So I guess we're talking pick thirty-one, though, right? Okay, so I'm gonna say he's a PBR. He's a PBR. I don't think because I, I wouldn't be happy with him at pick thirty-one. If we're talking pick sixty-three, then I'm a little bit more happy. So I'm gonna say he's a PBR for me. All right, so here we go. Here's your Justice Four guy coming up on this one. On this one, price uh, Brian Branch. If, if the Chiefs take Brian Branch at thirty-one, what's your vibe? I. For the same reason that you said Dalton Kincaid is Bells, I'm going to go Bells for Brian Branch. Love the player. Love the versatility. I think he could absolutely be a huge impact player for the Chiefs because of what he can do on the slot. I think he gives them options in the future if they were to choose to move off from um, Legereus Sneed. But it is a safety, and they do kind of have that position set. So I'm going to go Bells, but I I would be thrilled to hear him at pick 31. I I think I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm going to go Bells as well, just because safety isn't the most pressing need. Um, But I love the player. And like I said, I think he's a stud. Um, So I'm going to go Bells as well. All right, let's go next person down. Kalijah Kansi, standout pass rusher for Pitt, interior interior defensive lineman, a little bit undersized. Uh, Price Carter, what do you think? Like PBR? I mean, I like PBR. I'll drink a PBR, but I I just, again, like you go and look at mock draftable, the players that are his size or smaller at defensive tackle that have, you know, been NFL players, there's not a single name that excites you. You're betting on a total outlier. Now, there's a lot of reasons to think that it might work in Kansas City. Playing next to a great player in Chris Jones, versatility on inside and outside. Like I could absolutely see him playing on the outside some with the arms are so short and I understand he's incredibly quick, but it just feels like he is going to really struggle at the next level with, if a guard gets their hands on him. And I, I just, I don't love that for where the chiefs sit. This feels like a great pick for a team that has a lot of great infrastructure in their defensive line already, like the Eagles or something like that, where they can kind of bet on the traits. And um, if he flops, he flops. But I, I personally do not feel that the Chiefs can afford that. If they're going to go defensive tackle there, I'd much rather see Mazzy Smith and it'd be like, hey, we've got an incredibly high floor player here. We know that he is absolutely stout against the run and we'll just hope to develop as a pass rusher. So uh, PBR for me. Man, I'm going Boulevard on this one, baby. I love Clyde Jacanty. Arms arm short, I don't care. He's He's got a it's fully developed pass rush plan. I know he's an outlier. And I don't usually bet on the outliers, but I believe in this outlier. I believe in his quickness. I believe in his in his intelligence and and his ability to to set up the offensive the offensive ta- the offensive um, lineman and him lining up next to Chris Jones. I just think that he would totally feast. So I'm going to go Boulevard all the way on Kalijah Kansi. Sticking with interior defensive lineman Brian Brzee, Price Carter. For Brzee, I'm going to go – this one's tough for me. I'm really tempted to say Boulevard. I love the player, love his profile and everything, but the college production just doesn't line up with what the, what he was supposed to be. I'm going to I'm gonna go Bells, but I would be really, really excited. To me, it's kind of like – the only reason why it's not is just because of the college production, but there's even a little bit of reasons for some of those dips. The only problem is some of them are injuries, and – you know, sometimes that gets better in the NFL. Sometimes it doesn't. So I'll go Bells, but I would I would love to see him in KC. I'm going to go Bells as well. The production wasn't there, but you do love the traits. You love the size. You love everything about him. And there is an, and he did lose. He lost his sister while he was playing in college, and they were super close. And there is just no accounting for the toll that that can take on a person, and especially their ability for you know things outside of that sorrow and that mourning period like football like like those sort of things fall by the wayside and don't necessarily matter for some people and i don't think that's a knock against him and i don't think that means that he doesn't like love football i just means that he was he suffered a tragedy in his life and so i'm gonna go bells as well because i like the player i like the traits and i think that he's great value at number 31 um zay flowers is our next guy up wide receiver Boston College, he's a bit of a burner price. What do you think? Oh, I am a boulevard for sure. Um, he, There are some size concerns here, right? Uh, 
like a lot of players in this wide receiver class, size and slot versatility is a big part of what it's going to come down to. If you think he can do anything on the outside, he's absolutely worth a first round pick. But I feel comfortable in Andy Reid using his flexibility and his ability after the catch is so exciting. Um, boy, I, I would love to see him and Kadarius Tony and Travis Kelsey on the field together. Just feels like a terrific versatility and insane run after the catch ability. So that's a that's a boulevard for me. He's a boulevard for me as well. He's a tank seven for me. I think that I was talking to our buddy Ron Cop on over at the AP Draft Room um, on this past Friday. Um, I think he's going to struggle a little bit coming out of the gates, kind of like Sky Moore did. But I think that once he gets it, he's going to be more productive than Moore was. And he's going to be a bigger part of the offense. And he's going to be an electric player for years to come for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I do think that there's going to be a bit of a bit of learn a bit of growing pains for him um when he starts out but i think that it's worth it i think i think i think that's all worth it for the upside and the player that he's going to be once he gets it um sticking with wide receiver almost the opposite type of receiver as as Zay Flowers Quentin Johnston out of TCU a bigger bodied receiver doesn't get the greatest separation but you know kind of has all the traits you want for an ex receiver price what do you, what's your vibes on on, on Quentin Johnson at number 31 for the Chiefs. This one's really hard because part of me wants to say like the lack of separation, the contested catch rate, some of those things make me a little weary that he's not as great of a separator, has struggled with drops, but the the athletic tools are so hard to give up on. And he's not some huge lumbering wide receiver. You know, this isn't uh, some giant, you know, giant trying to you know lumber down the field and just do contested catches. He does have athleticism, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a Bell's. I almost Boulevard, almost Boulevard, but he has seemed to kind of consistently fall down draft boards this cycle. Um, and there, there's some reasons for that. I, I, I love the upside though. I love the upside in Kansas City. Yeah, me too. Um, I think I'm gonna go Bell's. I can't quite get a read on him. Is he? T Higgins or is he Nikhil Harry? Cause I could see it going either way with him. Um, and so I just, I would be excited because he is, I think one of the top wide receivers in this draft and one of the top big wide receivers in this draft. Is he my favorite larger wide receiver in this draft? No, he's not, but I do think that he'd be good value at number 31. Um, so I'm going to go with bells as well. Um, next person up, edge rusher out of Iowa State. Very productive. Will McDonald, the fourth. A lot of people have been mocking him to Kansas City at 31. Price, how you, what, what would be your vibes on Will McDonald? I'm going to go with Sam Adams. Again, he's a little bit different player. He's one pound heavier than Nick Bolton is. So he, he would be an outlier for the Chiefs. Now, I do think that he's a productive player, and I think he's had some, you know, really shown some good things on, on tape at the college level. Um, big 12 pass rusher is always a little scary, right? Just as far as like what those offenses are and what those defenses are. I, it, to me, it just feels like a very, um, a very safe pick at pick 31, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting some speed in here at the edge position. So I'll go with Sam Adams leaning towards a bell. Yeah, I'm going to go Sam Adams leaning towards a bell as well. Um, just because I feel like, you go like edge eight through edge 17 and they're kind of all the same skill level of player, right? I just think that there's just a lot of guys in that range of end of round one where they're just kind of like they're different players, but when you stack everything up and you take all their hit points and add them together, they're going to be like the same level, like the same level of Pokemon. Like they might be, a Pikachu or a Charmander, but their hit points are going to be exactly the same because they're just, they're just a different, a different breed of pass rusher, but they're kind of all on the same level. Um, Moving forward. We got another guy that I know you love price, Jameer Gibbs running back, big playmaker out of Alabama. What's your, what's your vibe on Jameer Gibbs to the chiefs draft another running back in round one? Well, you're going to make me out to be a hater because I do like the player. And I do, you know, we did our state the case last week, kind of talking about some unusual picks and why you shouldn't necessarily be mad. But this one, I'm going to have to go PBR. It's just like there's no situation that you're drafting Jameer Gibbs and he's a true bell cow for you. 
and is playing every single down, right? Like there's still uh, a high likelihood that Isaiah Pacheco would possibly outsnap him. And we, we like Pacheco. We think good things of him. But what he does as a running back is more valuable than just a straight old, you know, one cut and find the open lane running back. A little bit more like what Pacheco is as far as what uh, Gibbs does in the passing game. But yeah, drafting the third down back at pick 31 is just not something that this team needs. And after the Clyde Edward Delaire pick, I think they've hopefully learned that lesson a little bit too and seen kind of Gibbs is small as well. There's some of the issues with Edward Delaire. Um, I like Jameer Gibbs, but I don't like him at 31. I think I agree with you. Uh, I like Jameer Gibbs, not at 31. I don't know if he's a full PBR, which I, I would give it to Sam Adams. I wouldn't be angry. I'd understand that we need a dynamic playmaker in this in this offense. And if, say, Zay Flowers and every other top playmaker at wide receiver is off the board saying, okay, let's get a top playmaker at running back because we need a top playmaker then I would understand it. So I'm going to go Sam Adams on this one. Um, next person up is Miles Murphy. Got all the traits, got the size. The production hasn't necessarily been there like we want it to be. Uh, Miles Murphy, for you, Price, what do you feel about him? Miles Murphy at pick 31 is Boulevard's finest, baby. You've got great athletic traits. The production didn't quite line up in college, but getting him in a defensive line with uh, Menahu and Frank, or well, I almost said Frank Clark, hopefully Frank Clark, Chris Jones, George Kaloftis. I love betting on that upside and the development there. Um, he's someone that it feels like really high ceiling player. Um, I love that for the Chiefs, pick 31. I'm going to say I agree with you. I think that uh, that Miles Murphy at 31 is a Boulevard Pilsner, goes down smooth and easy, and you can drink that all day long, baby. So I'm going to say Miles Murphy. I think that he's just got all the upside in the world. And I wouldn't want him in the top 15, but at 31, I think that's a great pick, great value. Um, moving forward a little bit from here after Miles Murphy, we have another running back price, Bijan Robinson. Is he different in your mind than Jameer Gibbs at 31? Bijan Robinson is the perfect running back first round like narrative. Because he is a team, a player that changes your offense, that changes how defenses play you, but he is still a running back. For the sake of argument, I am going to go. This is tough. I'm I'm going to go Bells because I think this is a move that every team, besides the Kansas City Chiefs, looks and goes, "God dang it, are you serious?" Like they just got someone who they can hand the ball off to, and the play be completely broken, and he can still you know, get out of it. And the, the only reason why I wouldn't go Boulevard, because I do think like if he's at the board, if he's on the board at pick 31, he is best player available. However, um, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is there. You would need to split carry somewhat there anyways. And I, positional value be damned, you know? So I'm going to go a bells because I do think he absolutely changes how defenses play you. The, the chiefs can go win a game and salt a game away with him and take something off of Patrick Mahomes's plate. And one thing that I like about him at 31, too, is you now have a blue chip offensive player. Like, it doesn't matter if it's Zay Flowers or Quentin Johnson. I don't think they get that. You draft Bijan Robinson, you have another superstar besides Travis Kelsey. And that's something they're not going to be able to get at 31 otherwise. That's what I'm saying. If you're at 31 and there's not a thousand yard wide receiver on the board, then might as well get a running back that's going to give you 1,300 yards from scrimmage. Right, you're, you're you're we're talking adding adding yards to the offense, adding yards gained to the offense, and I think that that it, that B. Jen Robinson is a slam dunk at 31. He's a boulevard all day for me. Is the positional value the greatest need? No, but he is probably for me talent wise. I think he's the best football player in this draft, and so I just think you're going best player available. B. Jen Robinson is the best player available at every pick in the draft. So I think you have to do it. All right, John, finally, let's get into the news ahead of the NFL draft. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, also known as the loser of last year's Super Bowl. He signed a <laughs> mega deal. And I think in Kansas City, we are wondering, John, what it may mean for Patrick Mahomes, just because now, as it goes with the quarterbacks in the NFL, 
Jalen Hurts is the latest quarterback to sign his extension, which now makes him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes, even though he did sign a 10-year contract himself, at some point here, we have to expect that they're going to restructure this thing to make sure that he is taken care of. It's just when does that happen is is the quite literal and figurative million dollar question <laughs> or or half a billion dollar half question. a billion dollar question yeah, yeah yeah well i think that's a fair question but you know we've always known this was going to happen you know the one right. thing we know about nfl contracts is that once one guy is the highest paid player someone else will take his place in short order and i i believe that mahomes is now fifth in average per year i think is that right that sounds yeah. right i think i saw that um so I don't know that he cares about that so much. You know, he's got a contract that guarantees him security, which is something that uh, I don't, not even sure that Jalen hurts has that. Um, Mm -hmm. And for Mahomes, that might be the most important thing. So it may not be for a while yet, but certainly the drumbeat for the chiefs to make a new deal with him will be accelerating in uh, the next couple of years. And I think the Chiefs have made a point of it to never end up in Green Bay Packer land where their quarterback (laughs) is disgruntled for any reason at all. Yeah. And what you see is is a five year deal worth two hundred and fifty five million dollars. And the agreement agreement also includes one hundred and seventy nine point three million dollars in guarantees. And, And John not trying to correct you here by any means, but it actually drops Patrick Mahomes to the sixth uh, quarterback okay. as well. far as the average. The average goes like this very quickly. 2023 quarterback average rankings, and this is via spot rack. Hertz is now on top at 51 million. Aaron Rodgers just under at 50 million. Russ Wilson, Mr. Noodle Arm, 48.5 <laughs> million. Kyler Murray, 46 million. Deshaun Watson, $46 million, and then Pat at $45 million. And look, if you're Mahomes and you're his team, the, the great Jerry Maguire, you got to be saying to yourself, one of these days, this needs to be adjusted. There's no reason that Watson, Murray, Wilson, Rogers, and even Hurts, who is, we, he proved in the Super Bowl, he's, he's that guy as well. But none of these guys should be making more annually than Mahomes. I think the big difference here for me, and this is kudos to the Chiefs, they've established the relationship even before he was drafted, which was 17, which is now six, seven years ago. Unbelievable to even think about it because time has flown. But uh, they have had a relationship with Mahomes' representation and a good relationship since before the draft. They won Mahomes in Kansas City. There was constant communication between Brett Veach and Mahomes' team, even when Brett Veach wasn't even the GM yet, and just to Mm -hmm. try to do everything in their power to connect Mahomes and Reed, and what it's turned into is all this success. But Mahomes and Veach and the team, they're never going to be in that position that Lamar Jackson is currently in, where it comes out in public. I have no doubt about this. Mahomes and his team have talked, and they said, look, at some point we need an adjustment. I, you know, that's reality, but I just, I think Kansas city fans should be happy in the sense that I can almost guarantee that this will never become a public thing. This will always be a private negotiation. You talked about the half uh, a billion, John, it'll involve Brett Beach. It'll involve Clark hunt because it's Clark hunts money and a lot of money. And mm-hmm. you know, Clark yeah. hunt, he's going to be, very closely tied to whatever he's investing in on that front. And then what I predict is one day random, which will be great for us, John, because I'm sure we'll be enjoying some kind of summer vacation. <laughs> my whole restructure and it'll be done and yeah. he'll be the highest paid yeah. again. And that'll, that'll be it. There'll be these guarantee mechanisms built in so that it's somewhat team friendly so they can, make sure that they have enough weapons to continue to compete for championships. And that'll be it. That's my prediction. No, I think that's right. I I think it'll come on a day that we're not expecting it to happen. And, uh, you know, now that uh, Katie Camlin no no longer works at that uh, liquor store down by the plaza, uh, we may not get any notice at all that it's about to happen. So, um, um, and uh, Katie Camlin is doing well, by the way, I still follow her on Twitter, but Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, I think you're exactly right. It's it's going to be a thing that's going to happen. I don't think there's ever going to be any public drama about it, like we're seeing with Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. We've got two big quarterbacks right now that are in the midst of this big public kerfuffle, and we're never going to see that with Patrick Mahomes. It's a great time to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Speaking of Mahomes, we got a couple of Mahomes stories here. He has said, and this is, I think, a little surprising because we would have thought by now that he would have been okay, that that ankle that was bothering him throughout the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, remember, was a high ankle sprain against the Jaguars. Chad Henney came in, was able to play through it, and then he appeared to re-injure it at the end of the first half of the Super Bowl before playing the second half. This is what he said. I, I wouldn't say I'm 100%, but... He said no limitations. It's just when you go through a week of training, you're trying to push it through and, and go through the rehab process. At the same time, you want to make sure you're building. You might be a little sore on the weekends, but he thinks he's done a great job of pushing it to the right limit right now. Throwing, stuff like that, no limitations. He does expect to be 100% by training camp, but I I, I just thought this was a, a little surprising. And it, it does beg the question, if he's not 100% yet, does he really need to be doing anything? Is he at that point of his career mm-hmm. where should Camp Pat, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, should that <laughs> even be happening at, at this stage? I understand that he's he's hungry to get better. He's hungry to stay sharp. Uh, but we have seen past injuries where he was completely off his feet so that he could be 100%. I just, I'm thinking out loud. I, I, I don't think it's terrible that he's still continuing to throw, but it, look, it, I'm looking at the calendar, Don. It's April 19th. What, mm-hmm. Does he need to be throwing right now? That's that's just something I'd, I'd like to discuss. Well, I think uh, one of the things that strikes me after learning this piece of information uh, is how courageous Mahomes was to play in the postseason and how amazing it was he played well uh, in the postseason if he's got an ankle yeah. injury that's still bothering him two months after the Super Bowl which is what we're talking about here. It's been more than two months since the Super Bowl. Seems like it's been longer, doesn't it? But it's only been two months. Um, And the other thing that strikes me is we don't know exactly how much under 100% it is. He did say that he doesn't feel like anything is being – he's not having to hold anything back. He can do everything. There's not, uh, you know, moves he can't make and that kind of thing. That suggests to me that the number is actually very close to 100%. You know, maybe we're talking, you know, 95%, 98%, something like that. And, and in that's, if that's the case, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. But because we yeah. don't know, then there's the question. Yeah, and I, I think he did compare it to the foot and said it's a lot better than that. And yes. I, there's no con when OTAs begin, right? There is a, a management thing where I'm sure that he, he can do all the things that he needs to do in OTAs while continuing to rehab. But I I don't know. I'm I'm just I subscribe to if the greatest quarterback we've ever seen through six years is any kind of injured, just hey man, right. uh right ride the bike and stay on the couch for a little bit. <laughs> when training <laughs> camp begins, I think you get all the reps you need. But that's just my take on the matter it's not going to stop Mahomes from throwing he is so hungry and it goes into what is this year's edition of Camp Pat Camp Mahomes whatever you want to call it he is holding workouts down in Texas with pass catchers we have videos that continue to surface we finally got an opportunity to talk to him on Monday and you can get that interview right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network from the podium in which he said he he's he's evolving Camp Pat where Almost sounds like there's a, a Google calendar. The maybe someone with chat GPT can encrypt it for us and get the schedule, but <laughs> it seems like he has throwing dates on the calendar and he says, Well, here's you know, where when, when I'll be throwing, come down when you can. And so these pass catchers can fit the date into their off season schedule. We have seen these pass catchers tied to Texas workouts so far. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, uh, Emir Smith-Marset, Justin Ross, and Travis Kelsey. I, I have seen Jerry and Ely also out there as well, potentially being down there. We haven't seen Kadarius Tony down there yet, John. Um, and I think 
maybe more so than Mahomes, that might play into the Chiefs' strategy of let's shut this guy completely down. Let's not even be on that hamstring at all. And like maybe let's try to reset what is Kadarius Tony's body. Um, and then, you know, you kind of can see if he can be healthy. And considering the departure of Juju Smith Schuster, John, right? Like it's going to be important for Kadarius Tony to be a little bit more durable than he has been in the past. Yeah. Um, I, apparently he is down there. There's been some reports, I think, this morning that Tony is oh, down I there. I, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually laid eyes on those myself, but I've seen some people talking about them. So okay. with the proviso that I might be wrong about this, uh, because I haven't really looked it up, uh, it looks like Tony may be down there practicing now, but it's true that we haven't seen him early on. Like we have some of these, these other receivers uh, down there. You know, one of the things that struck me about what uh, Pat said about this thing is that one of the things he's improved this year is he's got everybody living together. They're all living in a house uh, down by a lake where they're getting the opportunity to hang out together more so than they did last year, where it was more, you know, we're figuring this out as we go. Now he's had time to think about it, and he's recognized that one of the things that can make this a positive thing for the team is to have these guys living together. And that's the arrangement they've made. And I think that's one of the key things that we need to take away from this is that Mahomes is figuring out how to make it better than it was last year when it clearly made quite a bit of difference in what these receivers could do without Tyreek Hill uh, in the middle of them last year. So I find that to be very encouraging, uh, even though we haven't seen all the receivers there right from the, the very beginning. As you noted, uh, Patrick's figured out a way to make it work that way because guys in the offseason have their own lives. They ain't got to worry about schedules and all this other stuff. So he's figured out a way to make that work, and I, I think it's fantastic. Okay. While you were talking, John, and, and buying me some time, I did find <laughs> the thing that you were talking about. The Chiefs have gotten photos of Patrick Mahomes and some of these workouts that are ongoing in Texas, and Kadarius Tony is is there. I I okay, uh, good. I see a photo of him right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is wearing a black Adidas workout shirt. Kadarius Tony is going no shirt. Just as, oh, as wow. uh, yeah, it I when you get to Kansas City, not only does Andy Reid want you to be in a shirt and a jersey, he wants that jersey tucked in. A little bit <laughs> lax rules when it comes to tire down in Texas, but forget everything I said about resting Tony's hamstrings. They are working them down there. Yeah. Uh, all right. In, our, in Arrowhead South. So Tony is also uh, down there. The Chiefs releasing some new photos uh, of these guys um, on Wednesday morning. So that's actually a good thing. That means Tony yeah. is in good health and we, we should see him at OTAs. Continuing on to more camp Pat news. There's a lot. This is, this is the most intriguing spring camp uh, in, in the country right now. Zay Flowers of Boston College, a receiver that's a number 10 prospect for ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. He has been sent down to Camp Pat, and what Brett Veach apparently wants is Mahomes' take on if he sees Flowers as a guy that he could potentially work with in Kansas City. This is a receiver that is expected to go in the top of the draft. I know there has been some takes about receivers and whether or not you'll see one, two, three, four receivers in the first round could be more in the the second round. Uh, Here was Kuyper's words on flowers flowers who had 200 catches and 31 touchdowns in his college career is one of his favorite prospects in the entire class. He's so elusive, so quick in and out of his breaks. He can play out of the slot or lined up outside. He can take a jet sweep to the house. He gets open. He makes plays. He forced, a 25 missed tackles last season, the third most in the country for a wideout. Flowers' size, by the way, he's five foot nine, one eighty-two. Uh, that won't wow teams, Kuiper says. But if they just put it on the tape, they'll see why he's a first-round talent. I I think about taking a jet sweep to the house, and I wrote this on Arrowhead Pride. Who do we know that might be able to take a jet <laughs> sweep to the house that is no longer on the Chiefs? That to me is McCole Hardman. And when I I think about flowers and some of the size and when I think about the NFL and nowadays, I think of Devontae Smith on the Eagles. And, you know, this is a a receiver who, you know, a lot of people consider too skinny. He he does 
have a little bit of the height there, but it's a smaller type of guy and he plays big. And so I think the chiefs are interested. I think the, the idea that getting him with Mahomes and getting Mahomes take is interesting. We have heard from Andy Reid and Brett Feach that they keep Pat involved and why not, you know, especially now that he's gotten older, he's got all these Super Bowls and MVPs under his belt and he's entering, you know, that age 26, 27 season. So how interesting is this to you, John, that one of the draft prospects is down there in Texas? All right, back here in on the AP Draft Room podcast. Appreciate you listening. Uh, you just listened to me, Caleb, and Nate uh, talk through a mock draft, uh, you know, give you a few more names to think about for the Chiefs in the upcoming draft. But now we're going to switch uh, switch, uh, switch sides a little bit, you know, have a little fun here, uh, bring on a, a great guest, a special guest, Eric Eager from, uh, from Sumer Sports, the Vice President of Research and Development at Sumer Sports. Uh, does a bunch of other stuff, hosts the Sumer Sports Show with former NFL GM Thomas Dimitrov. That's always a good listen. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a listener of the Red Bull and Golden Show. Red Bull and Gold Show. Wow, that's a, how to say it like that. Uh, with 810 Serum Petra NFL Network's Jeff Judea. I'm a I'm a big PFF forecast guy back in the day. Obviously, no longer. But Eric, really appreciate you making the time, man. Uh, how's how's draft season coming for you? Ready for the draft? Ron, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for the introduction, and uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, you know, it's fun to see the Chiefs picking. Uh, you know, the last pick of the first round again. Um, yes, thirty-one weirdly, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I, but no, I mean, draft season been great. I mean, I've I've enjoyed it. I have. I don't. You know, it's funny. The last, um, you know, 2019, 2018 kind of dabbled in in draft betting, and then twenty twenty when we had the pandemic, that was the only sport you could bet on uh, for you know, during the the heart of the pandemic, and then. 21 and 22, I, I had a great deal of mo- you know money down on the draft at this point now with the with the uh, club IP and stuff that we have at Sumer. I have I don't bet on the draft, but I have been sort of keeping tabs on the markets just because uh, I find them interesting. And, and even though the right. sports books have been fairly, um, I would say, timid in their offerings this year because uh, people have beat them up over the past few years in the draft. It's been interesting to see how things have changed. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I think there's more uncertainty here than usual. Um, yeah. Even though this time last year we thought Aiden Hutchinson was the top pick. Um, I think like after the first pick, which is going to be Bryce Young, I think it's pretty pretty uh, uncertain after that. Yeah, and and you're you're right. You're not necessarily like a draft analyst. I, I didn't bring you on because you're someone that that's breaking down prospects or anything. Um, but. You're a Chiefs fan, first of all, uh, you know, so so you're partial to the Chiefs. And uh, and I just I, I've, I've really always enjoyed your. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. We got, yeah, we got that last year. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, for the people on the podcast, he was showing off the Super Bowl hat um, from this last year. But that's the thing is, is I just feel like I, I, I want to kind of get your takes maybe from a from a, you know, a, an analytics perspective, kind of just a big picture perspective on how the Chiefs should attack this class, because. You know, I, I love talking prospects. That's all we do really on this show is talk prospects. Um, but, you know, there's a big picture to this that, you know, I, it, it is good to kind of maybe zoom back and look at. Um, but you, you just mentioned, you know, you're not able to put the wagers down anymore. That's that's one of the things I enjoyed most about your content um, back in the day at PFF was your guys' betting angles in, uh, on the NFL. So I, I guess I'll just ask you real quick. I mean, am I pretty much uh, done on the Anthony Richardson first overall and QB one bets? Cause I do have those tickets. They're sitting there about eight and a half to one. I, you know, I, I felt good about it when I, when I placed the bet, but are we pretty much dead there or, or is the unpredictability like you kind of mentioned, or do we have a little bit of a chance? What do you think? I, I would be very surprised if a team, if Carolina would trade out of the pick, I think anything's possible. Um, but I think the appetite that bright, that, I think that the Panthers really do like Bryce Young. I don't think they just moved up to one to take one of the, the few guys and they'll be willing. I, I do think that the, the, the love for Bryce Young is real, it, it, him specifically. So, um, you know, there could be, and I know that Houston has Young really high on their board. Um, you know, I, th- I believe the reports that they don't have Stroud very high. Um, so I think the com- combination of that means that Richardson's probably going to go a little, little later in the draft, even though I do like him as a prospect just because I think it's distribution. I mean, look, if you're looking at the AFC, you think about, you know, the quarterbacks you have to play against, right? Like Mahomes, of course, Burrow, Allen, Deshaun Watson's an all, you know, an all pro when he, you know, when he's played um, Lawrence, uh, you know, Herbert, you know, you're filling out the playoffs with like the truly robo quarterbacks. You know, I think Anthony Richardson's the kind of player, you know, the, the tippy top, all we think of that Anthony Richardson can be, 
is exactly, I think, what they have to go for. And I don't necessarily know if I see that in Stroud uh, or Young. Um, so I think NFC teams, you know, obviously you can get on the green with quarterbacks like that. Like Daniel Jones won a playoff game. Kirk Cousins made the playoffs, all that stuff. But in the AFC, like, I think Anthony Richardson is the way to go just because um, – you're not you're not competing with an average quarterback in that in that conference, and so um, the quarterback that has the highest ceiling is probably the one you you want. Now, Panthers playing the NFC, they're playing a terrible division in the NFC, uh, and so I think Young and Stroud made more sense to them, uh, you know, uh, at preflop. Man, that's a that's a that's a really good point on the you know, and it sounds like that means makes sense for maybe Anthony Richardson to be a Colt maybe by the end of this month. Um, we'll see though; he he could slip a little further. But thank you for for letting me down easy. Uh, you didn't you didn't just come out and say <laughs> it was no. A good bet. Like it was a good bet, right? Like I would it was say back in no February, to, I think. So yeah. Yeah, I would say to everybody though, like any money you're betting on anybody other than Young at this point is probably wasting your time. Um, and there are other places to possibly wager uh, that that would be uh, a little bit more profitable. Yeah, yeah, that's the only one. I was thinking Will Levis maybe he had some good odds at one point, but I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger there. But let's talk Chiefs specifically. Let's let's get into this because I do think one of the the themes of this draft uh, coming into it is that everyone kind of looks at the past drafts and sees Brett Veach just just kill it, you know, in quotes in terms of you know having a bunch of guys that are impact players right away or in their second year or just you know a lot of the roster right now is Brett Veach draft picks um, within the last few years and a lot of the impact players are. How much, you know, how much do we need to actually put stock in that, though? Because, you know, last year he had a lot of swings at it. You know, he had 10, 10 picks. He, or he had, you know, I, he had more than 10 picks, I think, last year. Obviously, uh, you know, traded around, got down to 10 picks at the end. Has 10 picks right now to work with this season. Um, how much should we put into – how much stock should we put into his, his history as a drafter, the impact players he's had? You know, I know you're someone that, you know, would, would probably say, you know, it's more of a crapshoot than anything, but, you know – should we should we expect him to continue to draft very well or you know is it just something that hey he's gotten you know a lot of swings at it these last couple of years has done pretty well but you know you can't expect him to be you know on average better than every NFL GM what do you think yeah i mean the math would tell you pick for pick no one is really better than anybody else uh at drafting so what i mean is you know the chiefs are always picking at the very end of the draft right and so you know you have to adjust by expectations you know, the 31st pick has different expectations than the 11th pick. And so after you adjust for that, over the course of a long-term, you know, situation, no one really picks players better. Um, and we've seen that with Veach, right? Like, I think Veach is a fantastic general manager. I think he was very bold last year in trading Tyreek Hill. I think that, you know, getting out of, like, so, you know, the, the, it's meaningful to me that, he had the bounty that was Patrick Mahomes, you know, and he threw num num like he, he did exactly what you want to do. You throw, you know, you overpay Sammy Watkins, you overpay Frank Clark. You do you do what's necessary to win a Super Bowl with him on a rookie deal, right? That's the easy part, and he did it, and and you know it's awesome. But then he had to tear it down and and get out of cap hell, and like and and some of it was not his own doing. Like after the 2020 season, he didn't expect to have his two tackles go down with basically career-ending right. injuries. And so then he had to be a little desperate go for the Orlando Brown holding his water on Orlando Brown was, was really, was a really solid move. Obviously the Hill thing holding his water on wide receivers where a lot of chiefs fans want them to go after Deandre Hopkins, stuff like that to me is a mark of a great GM. Now, when you look at who he's picked, right, we got the 2018 draft with Breland speaks and, you know, guys like that, you have 2019 where you had kind of two modest hits in Hardman and Thornhill, but like right. kind of everything after that was kind of meh. And then, you know, 2020, you have Edward Solaire, which wasn't great. Um, Willie Gay kind of up, you know, still up for grabs, et cetera. And then now 21 and 22, you've had two bang up, you know, drafts. And I think, you know, it's good. It's good to see like, the 2022 draft in many cases was because they had 12 picks to get down to 10 this draft, I believe they have 11. So then you, you know, you give yourself more of an opportunity. I Seren, you know, who's wonderful. One of my best friends is like said, you know, what happens if you only take six of those guys? Cause they, you know, 2021, 2022 exactly. draft, you know, you, you saw the increase in the number of picks. And so like the Darian Kennard thing, if that's one of six picks, that's not great. If it's one of 10, okay, you can live with it. Right. So, 
you know, the, the whole part of like keeping double digit picks last year was, was part of the reason they were good. And then of course he hit on guys. And I think one last thing, and, and people in the organization will tell you this, Andy Reed, Steve Spagnolo changing their tune and playing younger players and playing their younger players through thick and thin was a difference in, in the, in the process too. So it's not just beach picking the players. It's also the, the, the organizational consistency that came with that, right? Joshua Williams, tough game against Buffalo, threw him back out there in the AFC title game, um, traded Rashad Fenton, right? Yeah. You know, uh, Jalen Watson plays really well, gets a game winning touchdown, gets benched, gets put back in all that kind of stuff. We saw in Spagnola's first few years as the as the guy, he would prefer Anthony Hitchens to Nick Bolton. He would prefer Daniel Sorensen to Juan Thornhill. He'd prefer Frank Clark over much, much younger guys. And they made an organizational shift to believe in those players. And then, of course, when we get into an AFC title game where there's three rookie corners playing against one of the best passing offenses in football, those guys aren't really rookies anymore. And, right. and, it, and it shows. Remind yourself of that when they talk about wide receiver too. When people say Andy Reid has never been able to have a good young wide receiver on the roster, well, Steve Spagnuolo has never had playing young defensive backs until recently as well. Yeah, well, and and that brings up a great point with the with our perception of of how good the drafts have been, right? I mean, you know, you talk about Hardman and Thornhill. I think if you ask Chiefs fans in 2019, uh, you know, if it was a great draft, you, they would have been, oh my gosh, yeah, you're talking about a starting safety, a, a, a dynamic receiver or a dynamic playmaker. You know, now we get to the second contract part of it. They're not re-signed. Is it that great of a draft class if you don't actually, you know, re-sign your picks? At the same time, though, you mentioned holding your water. Sometimes it's, you know, not smart to just re-sign your picks, uh, you know, if they're moderate players. So, are we just maybe too early in the 2021, 2022, where like you just mentioned, they're playing these guys uh, early. So we're seeing them make impacts on the field, but you know, maybe we get to the point by the second contract, they're not, you know, not re-signed and we're maybe kind of changing our perception on it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm just repeating your point a little bit, but I do think your the coaching point is a, is a really good point. They're just getting the guys on the field. We're seeing them make impact, but do we know for sure if these drafts are necessarily, but you know, is Nick Bolton get, definitely going to get that second contract is, you know, is uh you know, a Creed Humphrey, I mean, I'm sure Creed Humphrey will. Yeah. Willie Gay is a great example too. So I yeah, think that's a I good think, point. I think, I think to answer your question, when you win a Super Bowl in a season where your rookie, your draft class plays the most snap or sorry, most games of any team in all of football, like it was a success, right? Like we're, yeah. we're, yeah. you know, <laughs> teams are there to win championships. Um, and, and it's important. Like, Thornhill and, and Hardman both won two rings. Um, their four years were a success, in my opinion. They both lived yeah. up to the draft position. That they didn't get second contracts, yeah. So they're not superstar players, but they're all, there's really only room on this roster for like – I mean, you look at the, the the salaries on this team, and I think you get to like player seven or eight before you get to Bucker, right? So you're yeah, looking right. at some stars – some, you know, and then kind of like a Valdez Scantling kind of like middle veteran contract. And then you get to all rookies or, or minimum contract guys. Like there isn't room on this and they're, and they're right up against the cap. So there isn't room on this team for that many superstars, you know, money wise. 